Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us. And if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Our text today is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1-11, through 11, and the sermon title is simply one word, finished. The text itself speaks about the end of the world, and thus the title, finished. I have a feeling that this year, 2020, the idea of the end of the world has been a little more real than we'd like to admit. Me, I am not the sort of person who tries to read world events and discern if the end is near. I have to admit, I've had a few moments this year when I was starting to wonder. There's forest fires in Australia, remember those? Flooding in China, impeachment trials, yeah, that was this year. A pandemic, forest fires out west, hurricanes, murder hornets. Every once in a while, I wonder to myself, God, are you trying to get our attention? Are you trying to tell us something about what's coming next? Well, Jesus is coming back. Not as a baby, as we celebrate at Christmas, and not as a Messiah on the cross that we remember at Easter, but as the judge of all people. We do not know when Jesus is coming back, but we are to be ready. And so the question for you today is simply this, are you ready? And how would you feel if Jesus showed up right now as your judge? Let's hear the word of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or not of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So here we have a text from the Bible about the end of the world. It doesn't talk a lot about the end of the world, but that it is coming. Talking about end times is a tricky topic. Some people get very excited about understanding what the Bible says about the end times. Others get frustrated at all the incorrect end times predictions that Christians have offered over the years. For some of us, end times are just not something that we want to think about. While I was in my undergraduate studies at Malone University, I had the privilege of seeing Larry Norman in concert. Now, Larry Norman was the first Christian rock and roll artist. It's hard sometimes to figure out who's the first of what, but he was the first Christian rock and roll artist, and I got to see him in concert. I greatly enjoyed his testimony, his story, and I enjoyed his music. Now, Larry Norman's music is very direct and pointed. He has a way of singing about a topic that cuts right into you with conviction, and he unashamedly sings several songs about the end of the world. Larry Larry Norman also knew, let me start again, Larry Norman also knew that end times was a topic that makes us uneasy. 
I have a concert CD where he announces just before he starts the song, he says, well, I'm going to sing a song about the end of the world. It's a happy little number, and the whole crowd just laughs because they, they know what we all know. The end of the world is something we all face, and it's something that none of us have experienced. We don't like the unknown. It's more uncomfortable than we want to admit. So whether you're interested in end times or you put off the topic, each Christian needs to spend some time in the whole counsel of the Word of God, and part of that counsel deals with end times. Now, when it comes to reading the Bible on the end times, I offer this advice. Look at what the text says. That seems pretty simple, but really, look at what the text says. We often try to read the Bible and put today's events into God's Word, so we're not really looking at what the Word says. We're looking at our times and trying to fit them into the Word. We're not to do that. We're to look at God's Word and see what it says. You see, we humans are not very good at knowing how to put the events of our days into the Bible. So, what does 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-11 tell us? What does it say? Well, it says a few things that we need to pay attention to. It says the day of the Lord is coming. And we don't know when it's coming, but we need to be ready for its coming, and we need to encourage each other until Jesus comes back. So let's talk about this day of the Lord for a moment. This phrase, day of the Lord, flows through the whole Bible and always refers to God's judgment and the defeat of his adversaries. Now, judgment is scary, and certainly it is described in the Bible in scary terms. I want to read a couple passages about the day of the Lord, and you may not like these passages, but they are there. We need to see them. Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 14 through 16 says this, The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. Zephaniah describes the day of the Lord as bitter. That is a hard phrase, but it is the truth. We need to face that. It is especially true for those who reject God. God has his final victory on the day of the Lord. Or maybe we would better put it this way. We have our defeat made clear to us. All those who choose to live in sin and reject God, our defeat is made clear to us on the day of the Lord. 2 Peter 3.10 says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. I like that last phrase. The works that are done on it are exposed. Now, I like that phrase, but I don't think we like the idea. Because I don't think we like the idea of everything that we're ashamed of being exposed. But we need to see that. That what we have hidden away will be exposed on the day of the Lord. That's one reason most of us don't look forward to it. And Acts chapter 2, verses 20 through 21 says this, The the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says there, The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood 
And again, those are uncomfortable images, but they're there. We got to see them. And we also have an important turn in how the day of the Lord is described. It's described as the great and magnificent day. There's a positive description of the day of the Lord. It is the day of salvation for all those who call upon the name of the Lord. So the day of the Lord is scary, but it is scary for those who reject God. It's scary for those who play at being Christians, but who do not really live up to Jesus as their Lord. So we're told that there's going to be a day of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians. We're also told that the day of the Lord is coming, but we do not know when the day of the Lord is coming. That's important for us to remember. We know that Jesus is coming, but the precise moment is uncertain to us. In fact, the Bible tells us even Jesus does not know when the end will come. Mark chapter 13, verse 32 says this, and it's Jesus speaking. He says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. If Jesus does not know the day or the hour, I don't think we'll be able to figure it out before the end comes. So what are we to do? I had a professor in my undergraduate studies who summed it up very well. Live your life like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Plan your life like you have another 50 years. And this is the challenge. We are to live with a vigilant intensity for the return of Jesus. But he may not return for a while, so we're not to be lulled into a false security. And that's tough. To help us with this, Paul writes to the Thessalonians using two pictures to describe the return of Jesus. He describes the return like a thief robbing your house and like labor pains. And I want to take a few minutes to talk about these two different images. So let's turn to that first one about being vigilant for a thief. Paul tells us that the day of the Lord, the return of Jesus, is like a thief coming in the night. You might be wondering why Paul would use such a negative picture to talk about Jesus. Paul isn't saying that Jesus is a thief or even corrupt like a thief. Paul is telling us that Jesus' return will be unpredictable like a thief. When a thief breaks into our homes, we, we often don't expect it. We weren't thinking that was going to happen. It's we can't anticipate when a thief will show up. Take a moment and think to yourself, how do you guard against a thief breaking in? Think about it. How do you guard against a thief breaking in? There's all kinds of measures that you can take. You might think about security. We got to have locks on the doors and on the windows, and maybe we'll have an alarm system and stuff like that. Uh, we might have insurance to cover any losses we might incur. We might depend on the community with uh, neighbors uh, who keep an eye on our home while we're away, or a police force who is there to enforce the laws, or we might take precautions. We might go in and look at our house and go, okay, what are the most valuable things in our home? What are the things that are uh, irreplaceable if they're taken? And we might take an extra measure to protect those items. There are all kinds of things we can do to prepare for a thief. One thing we cannot do is this. We cannot stay home all the time with a gun in our hand, staring out the window, just waiting for that thief to show up. It's not healthy. And this would re would that type of idea, being home all the time, waiting for the thief to come, would reflect a person who's constantly trying to read current events for the return of Jesus. I think most of us would agree that we're asking for trouble if we don't take precautions against a thief, or we're asking for trouble if all we ever do is worry about a thief. 
We do ourselves no favors assuming that our homes will never be robbed, and we set ourselves up as prime targets. Potentially, if you never do anything to protect your house, you'll be lose even more than you thought possible. You'll, you'll think, I didn't think this could ever happen to me, and then we lose it all. So we must be vigilant. And the Gospel of Matthew, the day of the Lord, is described very similarly to what we read in Thessalonians. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 44, we read these words, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on, know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We cannot know the moment the thief arrives, but we cannot wait in paranoia, but we can be ready. Think of the things we do to guard against the thief, and I think we can apply some of those to our spiritual health. We might want security against the thieves of this world. We think of locks for our house, but perhaps you could see locks for your spiritual health as disciplines like prayer and Bible reading and fasting. Those are all security measures for our spiritual homes. We might want to have a neighbor who looks into our house to make sure it's okay while we're on vacation, and we might have an accountability partner in our spiritual life who keeps us honest about our walk with Jesus. Knowing what's in our spiritual house and understanding the value and if something is not replaceable, well, that's important too. I think we are constantly forced by this world to make a high priority out of things that will not matter so much on the day that the trumpet sounds and Jesus appears in the air. I'm pretty sure we'll be thinking less about how far we advanced in our careers, or we'll be thinking less about the yard work that was left undone, or the, the TV shows we wanted to binge watch, and I, watch, and I, I think we'll want to know who's with us when Jesus comes back, and I think we'll want to be ready to worship God well as we enter into eternity. If you haven't practiced how to love God and how to worship Him now, it's how are you going to do when you reach eternity? The image of a thief asks us to be vigilant. The second image that Paul uses is that of labor pains. Why on earth does Paul put the picture of a thief next to that of labor pains? It, it's, I would have never put the two together, but Paul does. The thief demands that we be vigilant. Labor pains tell us that the day of the Lord is inevitable. When a woman is pregnant, for the most part, we know how that pregnancy will end. There will be labor we also know that there's a set amount of time, roughly nine months. We might not know the hour, but whenever you see someone who's pregnant, you know a baby is coming. And if you're going to have a child, you must experience some form of labor. It's inevitable. For better, for worse, whether it turns out well or not the way we planned, there is labor involved. And the day of the Lord is inevitable. There's no avoiding it. If you know a baby is coming, you also know you have time to get ready. You prepare your home. You get the supplies. You, you get ready for that baby. After the baby is born is not the best time to say, hey, we ought to get a, a car seat. We got to get diapers. We got to get baby bottles. It's not the best time after the baby's born. You can do it. It's inevitable. We should prepare. And the same way the day of the Lord is coming and we need to prepare. But often, we think that the coming of Jesus is for some other time in history. 
And so Paul warns us in 1 Thessalonians 5.3, he mentions the words peace and security. He warns us to avoid the lull of peace and security. Now, peace and security are good and desirable. However, most of us hungry for our version of peace and security instead of God's peace and security. We want our way. We want our control. We want our predictability. We want ease of life the way we define it. We want the absence of conflict. We want it all our way. You know what this year has tested? It's tested how much we enjoy our peace and security. Perhaps our level of frustration or fear this year has revealed just how much we want our peace and security instead of being vigilant about what God wants and what He has planned in His return. Choosing not to be vigilant and ready leaves us in a terrible position. Have you ever been robbed? How did you feel? Did you feel angry? Scared? violated? Perhaps the loss set you back more than you could afford. Early in our marriage, Betsy and I lived in Youngstown, Ohio, and we had, we had grown up in small towns and myself, a little bigger town, but a quiet neighborhood. And we knew that Youngstown was not the friendliest city, but we did not think much about getting robbed. We just didn't enter our minds as something that could happen. And then one day, our neighbor knocked on our door and asked us if we noticed anything missing because they had been robbed. And so we looked around our apartment and we realized that, yes, some electronics were missing and a few other valuable items were missing. And I think a little bit of cash was missing. We had been robbed and we felt sick. It was not a big loss, but it was a loss. And I can remember having a few nightmares in the weeks that followed being robbed. I had dreams that I would be walking down the hallway of our apartment, turning into the living room to find a stranger standing there. And in my dreams, I was angry and I would shout at that stranger and I'd want to scare the thief out of our apartment. It disturbed me. Getting robbed has an effect on you and not being ready for Jesus's return will have an effect on you. G.K. Beale, in his commentary, writes this. He, he talks about this idea that those not ready for a thief, those not ready for labor pains, will see such things as undesirable and unwanted. Now, I think we can understand why a thief would be undesirable and unwanted. And labor pains, they're not fun, right? But the baby is wonderful. We don't want to be in the position when the arrival of a baby interrupts our life, is undesirable and unwanted. And unfortunately, I think there will be many Christians on the day of Jesus' return who will see his return as undesirable or unwanted. They'll say, Jesus, I wasn't finished yet. Jesus, I'm busy with... Enter in whatever you want to be busy with. Jesus, I had of other plans. Jesus, wait, I've not talked to my kids about you yet. Take a moment right now and ask yourself truly, how would you feel if Jesus came back right now? Would you desire it? Would you want his return? I'm not trying to guilt you or scare you into faith, but I think a lot of us are lulled into peace and security, and so we just don't think about it very much. So how are we to be ready? Well, first this, the best way to be ready and vigilant for the return of Christ is to be a Christian. It will be too late for the non-Christian when Jesus comes back. So I urge you today, if you are not a Christian, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Decide, I am going to follow Christ. 
Secondly, how are we to be ready? Well, righteous living becomes our focus. You might call this obedience to God's word. You might call this holiness, or you might even use the the term living with virtue. But we are to be different from this world. And self-control is one of the hallmarks of this practice that we see here in 1 Thessalonians. We're not to follow our whims or our base desires. We're to follow Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.4 shifts the focus on how to be ready. Uh, It says darkness and light are contrasted. So we are to be children of light. We are to be children of the day. We are to be sober instead of drunk, meaning we are to be self-controlled. We are not to be content with living in the dark the dark being the world and all that it has to offer, yet too many of us try to claim Christ and citizenship in this world. We try to do both at the same time. I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to be a citizen of this world and it cannot be done. 1 John 1 verses 5 and 6 say this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We cannot do both. We cannot walk in dark and be children of light. Another way to be ready is that we are to encourage each other with faith, love, and hope. Paul uses armor imagery here, much like the armor of God that we read about in Ephesians 6, or if you wanted to, you could go to Isaiah chapter 59, 17 and read about another suit of armor, armor of God. There is a breastplate of faith and love and a helmet that is the hope of salvation here. What I want to point out is that faith, love, and hope, they're a trinity of ideas that Paul writes about over and over in his letters. They are our primary tools for encouraging fellow Christians and how we remain ready. Keep your faith sharp, love boldly, and do not give up on hope no matter what happens in this world. And fourthly, how are we ready? Well, readiness for the day of the Lord should increase our urgency in reaching those who have not heard about Jesus yet. I think as long as we think we have time, we will wait for a better time, a better moment to share the gospel with our family and our neighbors. We'll have that conversation another day, we always think to ourselves. We might have a lifetime to share that news. We might be able to wait for just the right moment, but our lifetime might not be any longer than today. And Jesus might return sooner then we think, do not wait to share salvation with someone you love. Do it now. Revelation sixteen fifteen says this, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and seen to be exposed. The day of the Lord is scary because on that day, All that we want to have hidden will be exposed, but it does not have to be scary. You can be ready, clothed in the salvation of Christ. I know end times topics are never easy, but I want to leave you with this thought from 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, verse 9. God has not destined us for wrath. Remember that. We often focus on wrath when we hear the words end times. It says, God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Know that the day of the Lord holds joy for the Christian. Will you know that joy? Will you be ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Help us to be people who are ready for Jesus. Let us not be sleeping in a sense of peace and a security that is not real. Help us to be vigilant for Jesus. Lord, we do not want to be a people who are so busy in this world that the return of Christ is unwelcome and perhaps an interruption to what we're already doing. Lord, help us to feel an urgency to help others to be ready for the return of Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.